You're listening to New Wave Materials, Methods and Media, Glasgow School of Art, 1970-1986, a series of podcasts produced as part of a research project for Glasgow School of Art's archives and collections. I'm Debbie Banerjee. I started this research almost a year ago, with 35 boxes of uncatalogued papers from GSA's archive dating from around 1977, which is when the Fine Arts School was first established. These remain uncatalogued. The contents of the boxes consisted mainly of correspondence between staff, minutes from meetings, course proposals and the occasional newspaper clipping. Looking through this vast quantity of unordered material was overwhelming. The documents obliquely introduced me to some of the politics and tensions within the school and gave me an understanding of the time frame and course developments, as well as a sense of the individuals on the teaching and administrative staff. What it really lacked was information about personal experiences, what was being taught and the delivery of the course programmes. So I decided to record a series of interviews with people who had studied or taught at the school between the 70s and 80s to create a kind of anecdotal archive to complement the existing bureaucratic one. Although the papers in the boxes start from 1977, I found myself going further back, sometimes to the mid-1960s, to get a better understanding of the changes that were taking place. These recollections and reflections focus on changes within the First Year Studies programme, the short-lived mixed-media course in fine art, and extracurricular activities. All of the interviews have taken place in a variety of locations, mainly around Glasgow. They vary in sound quality as a result. Recording spaces included stairwells and quiet rooms in the art school, interviewees' front rooms, the CCA cafe and Tate Modern's Turbine Hall. Each individual interview took a different approach. Sometimes the recordings are taken from conversations or are answers to a specific set of questions or sometimes responses to images and documents. A number of the same people appear in different podcasts, and this is by no means a complete project, more an evolving narrative or collection of memories. There are still many people to speak to and many themes to explore. Episode 1, First Things First. This podcast charts the changes that took place in the First Year Studies programme at Glasgow School of Art from 1968 to now. At this time, GSA ran a two-year general course as an integral part of the diploma programme until 1970, which is when it changed to a one-year course and eventually became more like a foundation. The podcast is a combination of people who had studied on the first-year programme and others who had taught on it. It includes, in order of appearance, Jimmy Cosgrove, who studied at GSA from 1968 and specialised in printed textiles. He was a member of staff from 1973 to 1999 and held a number of positions during this time, including Head of Printed Textiles, Head of First Year Studies and Deputy Director of the School. Jackie Parry studied at the school from 1970 and specialised in printmaking. She taught in both the design and fine arts schools and became Head of Printmaking in 1991. And Peter Bevan, who taught First Year Studies for 30 years from 1973. He'd studied at Gloucestershire College of Art and Design in Cheltenham in 1964 and later graduated from a Master's from the Royal College of Art. 
Alistair MacDonald studied at GSA from 1973 and specialised in product design. He started to teach in first year studies in 1983 and then later went on to join the design school. He is currently senior researcher in the School of Design. Bill Macquarie studied at GSA from 1973 and specialised first in graphic design and then moved to drawing and painting, and then spent his final year in mixed media. And finally, Brian Kelly, who studied at GSA from 1976 and specialised first in printmaking and then mixed media. He started to teach at the school from 1985 and currently teaches fourth year sculpture and environmental art. Here is Jimmy Cosgrove. I applied under the special recruitment scheme for teachers. They were looking for mature people who were working uh, to go into teaching. So I enrolled under that, got into the art school and spent two years, for me, the most amazing experiences. The two-year general course, I didn't know anything about art, uh, really. I knew about drawing. But the first year opened that all up. I suddenly realised that there was design and that within design there were a whole load of possibilities and within fine art, Similarly, there were a whole load of possibilities. I was learning about printmaking and, and about textile screen printing. and I was learning a lot about art history. I didn't know, you know, I thought I knew something about it, but I didn't really know anything. When it came to the end of the, the second year, it was assumed that I would go into drawing and painting because I seemed to have facilities in that direction. So it changed completely, and it probably became more designy, to use that terrible word that people use. So I, I thought I'd go into drawing and painting. At the end of my second year, there was an exhibition of work in the museum by Robert Stewart, and he had just come back from a sabbatical in Barcelona and seen Tapia's work. It was full of these small watercolours, but they were of scratch surfaces and, and they were about the highland and beautiful drawing. So when I saw that, introduced me to Tapia's, at the time, I was up to my years with Willie Bones teaching, which was brilliant, very academic, but it was all to do with Henry Tonks and Augustus John. And suddenly this other modernist thing happened, and it made me think that this guy was head of printed textiles, but not confined by it. So I thought, that's, that's what I want to do, and that's why I went into textiles. But that's what the general course gave me, this whole range, this compendium of interesting stuff. I'm Jackie Parry. 1970 was the first year of the one-year general course. There were about 70 students across fine art and design. We were housed in the Macintosh building. The general, more design-type element was on the ground floor. We were divided into sections. Maybe there were about four of these. Part of the time was spent on the first floor of the MAC in the drawing and painting department. The lecturer in charge of the section I was in was a man called John Laurie. He set us subjects like portrait, self-portrait, still life, and there was life drawing and some cast drawing as an integral part of the course. The teaching was quite laid back, mainly one-to-one as we were working, occasionally perhaps a group crit or discussion. There was no stipulation of any media or style. You're really encouraged to develop on your own, at your own pace. Occasionally, you may have been encouraged to look at the work of another artist. The section in the room next to ours was led by Mr Johnny Miller. His students were only allowed to paint in monochrome. 
you know, maybe for the whole year. We also had some short projects in other departments. I remember going to embroider and weaving, working with Elizabeth Hamilton. Also, I spent some time in the sculpture department in the basement of the Mac building, and that was perhaps for me the most challenging, active and exciting part of that year. David Dobson was the head of the sculpture department and his wife, Una, worked there part-time. A young Tony Jones set projects with introductory talks, individual advice and occasional group crits. So that was very lively. Tony took us right through even to, to presenting the final work and then to photographing it. It was a complete experience. There were also occasional lectures in architecture and then historical and critical studies, the art history with Robin Rennie, Stephen Mulrine and Ian Morrison and also Isabel Johnson who was a beautifully spoken, encouraging, interesting young Scotswoman. I am Peter Bevan. I applied for assistant lecturer in first year studies specifically and came up here and was totally shocked by Glasgow. Because everything was black then. All the buildings were black. But I saw the school and I thought, my God, this is a proper art school. And of course the studios were just magnificent. Most of the other jobs I'd had interviews for were in little, small, provincial towns. And and the buildings were not inspiring at all. Quite often they were kind of 50s, 60s, box-type buildings. So this was very impressive. The interview was very pleasant indeed, and I was very happy when they said, well, we'd like you to come. It was a bit strange. He was from Yorkshire, of course, Ted Odling, but Harry Bond had this sort of quite aristocratic drawl. They were sort of strange people, you know. But I began to feel it was was a bit opaque, the organisation. There didn't seem to be a clear structure of what was going on. And so there were roughly 100 students. And in first year, we were in different sites. Some were up here, most of them up here. But me and a colleague who also started that year, 73, Barry Atherton, we were given a group of students of about 15 or 17 or something. And we were in the Richmond building... And the first day we arrived, there were, there were empty rooms. They'd just been painted. You could smell the paint. There was no furniture. We thought, oh, right, what do we do? And basically, we were left to work it out ourselves there. And gradually, bits of furniture arrived and so on over the first week. But, but the first day, there was nothing. <laughs> it was bizarre, because there was this, you know, magnificent art school, fully equipped, you know, and all that. And those other groups, the other three groups, were, they had big rooms, staff had offices up there as well. And uh, we had this ex, it was a geriatric hospital, it's a marvellous operating room, and carbolic smells, and medical things lying around. And the students, of course, were just gobsmacked. Barry and I would, were really bemused. Barry was at the War Academy. We didn't know each other. And we were just put together, worked it out down there. There was a sort of curriculum, like some drawing, observational drawing and figure drawing, and you've got to study colour and some three-dimensional work. And it was like a skeleton of uh, foundation studies, but with no equipment. So I didn't 
lot of life drawing in Cheltenham and painting. I was keen for it to be very strict, and Barry was keen on that too, so we, we were very hard on them in terms of looking at the model. A lot of linear drawing, measured drawing with the old sun. It was a very academic input. But then, you know, 3D, we didn't have any clay, we didn't have anything. And so we thought, well, we'll just have to use found materials. And we, we went out and found a lot of different materials and got them to stick them together, you know, in bits and pieces, and or cut them up or saw them up with a handsaw. I'm Alistair MacDonald. I came to study in 1973. Well, I did the first year studies general course and I came here to be a fine artist after doing a year at university sciences and that was all I was interested in. But at the end of first year, I went into product design. As a student of first year, I was very much influenced by my own tutors, Barry Atherton and Pete Bevan, who were still here when I came back to, to teach. Barry Atherton was a royal academician, and it was really through his encouragement I was able to look at things and really see them. And I think that that's something that's kind of persisted, even although I've moved into a completely different sphere. It's that just the ability to, to actually see what's there. Bill McQuarrie studied from 1973 till 1977. The first year was a general course and that was section D. The structure of the course, as far as I can remember, was project-based. Projects lasted a week or two weeks. For most of us, we were introduced to life drawing. Also within the first year, each section had a week at Killeen, and that was obviously the first time working directly for landscape for many. But on a Wednesday morning we had liberal studies and the history of art. And at the end of that we had to do written work based on a particular topic. And we also had, we had a slide test on uh, the history of art. And you had to prove them that you'd actually been listening to what they were talking about. So they would maybe show you some cathedral and you had to tell them it was that particular cathedral. And there was a lot of cheating <laughs> Well, for us, it was very odd because we weren't instructed. We had to cover certain topics, but how to do it, we just had to work it out between us. We were in the Richmond for two years. Then we all came together in the, in the Macintosh, and there were many staff. There were 12 staff, I think. Of course, most of them Scottish. Most of them studied here, and some of them were quite old, 30-year-old, you know, me at the time. And I suppose then, Barry and I were split up, given to the groups, probably about three staff in each group of students. And so that was interesting to work with these other people who... I had conflicting ideas about the course in the first year and the course that I was doing after the first year because I'd been at art school before and I'd taught for a number of years and probably critically I thought that the teaching wasn't active enough here and my observations were that the Italian system frequently suited the staff but it was just a different way 
And now looking back, I think what I really loved was having the time and the space to just do whatever you want and make your own mistakes. And that was absolutely invaluable. So looking back, I realised that I don't think there's one way to heaven. It's just there's different ways. And I had the advantage of both systems, if you like. It seemed to Mary and myself, looking at the work we saw in the studios here when we came up, had them walk round, that there was a kind of sameness about all the paintings in each studio, which was like the Glasgow Boys. It was like Scottish colourists and a way of painting which seemed also very common. We were taken aback by that, as though there was a dominant way of painting being, if not taught, being intimated that that's what we want. The element of three-dimensional studies on on the first year was paltry. I mean, it was paper card and glue and cocktail sticks. And... My name is Brian Kelly, 1976 to 1981. I, w- I think I was in Group 4, and Group 4 was at the very top of the Blythewood building. It was a big studio, iron beams in it. And the tutors were a man called Conrad McKenna, who was an older man, and then two young called Ken Mitchell and Peter Bevan. There were a variety of projects that would be sort of basic workshops to do with drawing and making, and there would be regular drawing classes, kind of weekly drawing classes. I suppose the most significant class that I remember, kind of still using teaching as well, where we were asked to bring in something organic, a cabbage leaf or a banana, pepper or a pear, and we, and we all did, and then we were given some sheets of balsa wood and strips of balsa wood, and then we were asked to make a model, or sculpture, of the organic object they brought, and we had a day to do it. And so we kind of worked at this all day. And there was this guy in our group, Frank Sheridan, I think his name was, and he made this exquisite copy of a cabbage leaf in balsa wood. It was, in, it was almost facsimile, and, uh, and we thought it was incredible. And we just thought, you know, at the end of the day, when Conrad and Ken and Pete came in, they would they would kind of hold Frank up in adulation, and we would all have to look at them how brilliant he was. And it all went the other way. And they said, you know, this is quite a good effort from Frank, but he's really missed the point, and we couldn't understand it. But then, suppose the point is missed is sure, you know, he's, he's seen the cabbage leaf very well and he's, he's understood everything about the cabbage leaf, but he hasn't understood anything about the material balsa wood because that's not evident in the work. It was a moment of absolute epiphany and revelation, and I think it sort of defined, you know, my learning for me as I kind of went through. I, don't, I think I struggled with that and I think I understood it, but I think I always struggled with achieving that. I still kind of use it in teaching because Regularly you see students misunderstand that idea. They become too precious about what they think it ought to be and they don't recognise what it's becoming. Understanding the materials, sort of understanding the material as well as the object that you represent through that material is sort of trying to understand the, the, you know, the kind of Michelangelo thing, seeing the body in the stone rather than trying to carve the body out of the stone. So then you did things that um, eventually represented the kind of specialism that you wanted to kind of approach in the school. But you would do a variety of things and you'd select projects to do. And I think you mandatorily had to do a design project 
and a fine art project. That, that was another thing that I liked, was the, the fact that you had all of these people and knew where they were coming from, teaching you. I understand how it's done now is not to do it so rigorously as that. I must say, it, it, it does disappoint me, that. But to discover these things when you need to discover them, which is all very well if they're on tap, but they're not all on tap. I mean, Willie Bone, his drawing classes, I thought they were just fantastic. I thought perspective was quite a simple thing, using a vanishing points. You would go into a fresh setup and you would think it's a still life again, but it would be a, a load of uh, donkeys and tables and, and easels piled up like a pyramid in the middle of the floor. And to draw that with a very rudimentary understanding of perspective was extremely, extremely difficult. But I'm glad I did it. Uh, and that, that, to be honest, is what troubled me about the disappearance of the general course, because lots of students would come in maybe from up north where they only had one teacher in a school or, and they were painters from way back and they, they hadn't tried all these things because the schools didn't have the facility or the expertise to do it. When that system ended of the two-year course and went to a one-year course, I eventually became head of first year and at that time we were trying to do one year what we did in two years, quite honestly. But with the added impetus of the young staff that I had who were very aware of where art was, you know, the Kenny Mitchell, Pete Bevan, Barry Atherton. So whatever they were teaching, whether it was life classes or whatever, it was always coloured by where art is rather than a dull academic way of doing it. But it had a lot of staff who were young and able to do that. A lot of designers eventually had Alistair MacDonald on it, for example, and Linda Greenan. I came back to be a member of staff teaching in first year studies, teaching design there in 83. And I think they were interested in having a kind of more solid 3D designer as part of the first year team. And that was interesting because I was in there with all sorts of people, fine artists, sculptors, printmakers, textile designers, you know, kind of a nice mix. And I remember coming in at, at that time in the, in the first cohorts where people like Douglas Gordon kind of been interesting um, to see the, their, their development, their personal development. I think this is when it was started giving students the time and the advice and help from staff to achieve what they started to project. Their interests uh, were being developed through the, the project system. It was less instruction about what to do you know, giving ideas and, and areas of, for them to study, like uh, colour, and giving them information about the theories of colour, for, for example, but letting them work out what to do with that, so that their outcomes were then. It was to do with creative working, how to, how to get creativity going in your imagination and practically with whatever materials being used or media. It's distinct. Development. I mean, it wasn't immediate, you know, but it, over over the beginning of the eighties, it was it changed, and we wrote think more things down. Then we started to write things down. <laughs> Students made a decision at the end of first year where they were where they wanted to go. Most of them wanted to go into painting because that's what they knew, 
and whatever you did on Thursday, it didn't really change that radically. Painting was always oversubscribed. It's what people thought about art school was. Of course, the smaller departments, mostly in design, felt a little bit done by, you know, because they didn't get the, the kind of recruitment they wanted, you know, for their specialisms. It's a difficult time at, you know, the end of first year, but some people were put back. Then they had a second choice. And so, for example, ceramics, it was always under, undersubscribed. And like embroidery weaving and silversmithing jewellery also, you know, but they never had a lot of students to choose from. And a lot of them were second choices, you know. The students would make it and say, oh, oh if I can't go to painting, I'll go to ceramics. And that, it caused quite a lot of angst between first year and the upper school. And this is the, the difference between the first year then and the first year now. At the end of the first year that I went through, you went through another selection process because then you had to apply for your department. That doesn't happen now because that selection happens right at the beginning before you come into the first year, before you come into the school. And it means that what used to happen in fine art was that you would have 90 students and 80 of them made an application to do painting. So then you were trying to shoehorn people into sculpture or printmaking or, or something else even in the design school that didn't really want to do that. And that, and that, that was unfortunate. So I suppose now that you know, people go through that selection process before they come in, then they align themselves to the ambition of that discipline from day one. The, the defect of it is that the alignment is very focused and so they miss the breadth that the first year course that I did offered I think. Maybe the first year course that ran through the 90s I think offered something even more because then I think the structured curriculum became uh, a much more attended to thing by staff where I, I think that the structured cur curriculum was, I think, more sort of ad hoc, more experimental, like it could afford to be in the luxury of the kind of wealthy 70s and 80s, you know, where there was money that we never can imagine now put into education. You've been listening to a podcast written and produced by Debbie Banerjee for Glasgow School of Arts Archives and Collections. For more information about the project, please visit gsaarchiveprojects.wordpress.com. Episode 2 will continue with looking at first year, focusing on Section 5, an experimental first year course run by Ted Hodling.